Good evening, good evening, I've got something to say to you. And that, I don't know if it's the evening, but right here, right now, where I am, it's the evening. I am the titular host of Nick Flanagan Weekly, and this is said podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for checking this out, clicking play, perhaps even clicking subscribe, perhaps clicking review, perhaps clicking your fingers and making this podcast stop right now. I don't know. I don't know what you're doing. I don't have a magic mirror that makes me be able to see your house. I'm not the Wicked Witch of the West. In fact, I'm in the North. I'm in Southern Ontario, which is still the North. We are the Great White North heading towards the North Pole. I'm here in Canada. But enough about that. Let me tell you, this has been a great week so far. I left my delightful island retreat, and now I'm back in the big city in an apartment cohabitating delightfully again. And uh, I have a major dog sit coming up. Very excited for that. We'll still take the time to visit Manny the cat over there in my mom's neighborhood safely. Oh, and by the way, I just want to let you know, if you're listening to this, probably no matter where you are, cases are no good of the COVID. So be frickin' safe. Shrink your bubble. Shrink your bubble. Pop some bubble wrap instead of going out to one of these filthy, unsanctioned get-togethers with your no-good Nick friends. Take a moment, reflect on your life, read some political theory. Or not. Knock on doors. Ask them what politicians they like. Use the information for later. That's right. We're ramping into some more political episodes of Nick Flaggy Weekly. Um, Although this one is technically more of an ADHD episode. Uh, It is an interview. Um, a conversation, if you will, with uh, someone I really respect and admire uh, who's fairly open about their ADHD, although I wouldn't say it's like a focus, no pun intended, uh, of her work. Um, it's just a side note that I think is really interesting. Her name is Jamie Peck. And Jamie, um, her job, 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 a job, she's been a freelance writer. And she's also uh, like a journalist written for all kinds of magazines, um, The Guardian, um, Jezebel, way back when, uh, lots of different places. And she she hosts, it's one of the three hosts, I believe there's three, of the Antifada, which is a great podcast that I am a new patron of, but it's really a great insight into how bright all of the people who do the podcast are. But Jamie's questions are really awesome. And uh, she is also a correspondent and uh, producer on um, the Majority Report, which is uh, Ring of Fire Radio, Sam Cedar's thing. It was also related to the late Michael Brooks, who was also a producer and on-air personality. And... Um, Jamie can be heard on the Thursday shows and I believe the Monday shows and maybe one other day, possibly Friday. And I think she should be there every day. I think her voice is really vital. She's a very um, far left. I I can't recall her, her exact description of her politics has shifted over the years. I believe there was an anarcho-communist element and then maybe one of those 
kind of went away. So uh, I don't want to put her in that box, but she's um, definitely someone who has ideals that are, uh, as we discussed, rather, rather simple. Like people deserve to have what they need to live and shouldn't have less than others. Um, this is something I believe. And, uh, she was a great, um, bridge between Michael Brooks and, and Sam Cedar's voice, Sam Cedar being an old, er, <laughs> male, uh, American male who, who had some faith in, in the political body, Michael Brooks being a, um, younger American male who had less faith in the political body, more faith in unions, socialization, uh, and, and Jamie, whose ideas were, you know, like the kind of thing I would see at, in European squats 10 years ago, you know, abolish the police, uh, you know, redistribute <laughs> things fairly, like stuff that I think is really cool to believe in and, uh, challenging, you know, for, for some people to accept and, uh, Jamie, stands by sticks by those guns and then on top of that um she has i mentioned has attention deficit disorder and uh came into discovery late in life and that is kind of what we talk about the most in the episode although we get into some other things and uh I just really hope you enjoy it. And it, you can send feedback to weeklypodcast at gmail.com. I was really nervous because, I don't know, I listen to this show, The Majority Report, all the time. You feel a rapport and connection with these people, especially because I felt that about both Michael Brooks and Jamie uh, Peck. Uh, something resonated with me where I was kind of like, oh, like I kind of, you know... I've, I've lived in, in I, we're sort of of the same generation. So yeah, it was kind of like, I feel I started at like the Chris Farley show. It was kind of like awkward, you know, but hopefully it isn't too awkward and all is enjoyable. So let me know weekly podcast at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe to the Antifada. Check Jamie out on the majority report when she's on. And here's the interview. Yeah. And, um, and I don't know. Um, okay. And then I just mostly want to talk about ADHD, but because of the ADHD and because of the fact I watch, you know, majority report a lot, it's going to be hard for me to contain the conversation. And so I'm really going to try to, but I also want to know what you think about a million things. So. All right. Well, I'm down for whatever. That's very cool. you you seem rested today. Oh yeah. I got a lot of sleep last night. Yeah, that's great. I got my, I got what I needed to. And the night before I didn't. So. Yeah. I was tired enough that I, it forced me to go to bed early because I was just really sleepy and I couldn't keep my eyes open. Um, so yeah. I got like a really good amount of sleep last night and took half of a bite vance this morning because mm. I'm trying to not run out of them. Oh, now I have health insurance. So maybe, uh, Maybe I can take the full dose. Did Patreon, Patreon, does it, do they do health insurance now? No, no. <laughs> Sam finally gave us health insurance after I had worked there for three years. I think he had a number in his head 
after which he would give us all health insurance. And he got that NBC deal. So I imagine he had some extra money to play with. And now I have health insurance through my job. I'm really happy for you. That's really great. It's thank you. Um, I'm in a um, union uh, that I guess I'm in a union and a guild, but like, so I get this actor's health insurance and uh, still is not great, you know, for um, especially ADD pills. Like it's, I'm on something called Foquest, which is a um, Adderall type of thing, I think. And uh, no, Ritalin. It's a form of Ritalin, which I've never been on before. And I was on Vyvanse for a while. And um, I, I uh, would still be paying like, oh, like 130 a month with my insurance. Um, but I got these cards that like give me from Pfizer, who the, you know, the, no, Purdue. And Purdue giveth, Purdue taketh away. That's my take on them. And and uh, it's like free month. And I get I, from doctors like an unlimited amount of those. But like going through the pharmacy sucks for like anything like that. Anything really, you know, especially stimulants, which are still treated like um, 1980s. Like, oh, you're on speed. Your liver's going to die. And you're like, what do you want? What, what would you have me do? Cocaine? Cause I will <laughs> do all of the cocaine. Yep. And I won't feel good. And it's bad for my digestive system. And yeah, no Jews. I mean, if plus cocaine. Yeah, no, <laughs> I mean, if we could get like medical grade cocaine, that might be better. Yeah. Or at least uh soda great like coca-cola 1800s grade co- yeah sure cocaine. i'll take it um well i feel like we've started the podcast with some delightful uh back and forth about adhd drugs and uh, i think now i should say jamie peck welcome to a flanagan weekly me being nick um a person living in canada who has also seen what america is like and I'd like to thank you for coming. Oh, well, thanks for having me. You're so welcome. And I just want to say I'm a big fan of your work. I think that what you do is so great. And it's been great seeing you. I started watching the Majority Report when I was living in Los Angeles in like probably 2015, no, 2016. And I think I just really kind of needed it. And then once the election happened, I was just like, okay, well, this seems like a good way for me to get my bite-sized news. And that was a, like, that was about when you joined, wasn't it? Like, um, I, when did I join? I've been there for three years now. So I started in 2017. Yeah. And, and I think, uh, you're like a really crucial voice on it. And I love that you do the antifada. And I'd actually read, it turned out your freelance writing a lot before, obviously with, with one infamous article that I did not know was by you until I watched uh, majority report, which was that um, article about Terry Richardson, the fucking mm-hmm. idiot. And uh, you know, um, so yeah, I think you're a really good writer and a really good voice. And the antifada was something that I started listening to after I got a hold of you. Um, to do the podcast. And um, I think that's great too. So I'm just very impressed by all the stuff you do and that you're so open about um, ADHD. And by so open, I mean, 
much like all of us, maybe you just sort of blurt out that you have it and have to own it <laughs> after uh, that. Well, thank you. I don't talk about ADHD very much because it really, I was only diagnosed with it a few years ago and it hasn't been like a major part of my identity. Mm -hmm. Uh throughout my life, which I think is a good thing because people can get put in boxes very young and they think of themselves a certain way. Totally. Um, that said, I've always been aware of my uh, strengths as well as my areas in which I struggle. Mm -hmm. And it just so happens that those places, those things I struggle with have been uh, designated that I fall into the range for ADHD. So what did they tell you? Moderate? So fine. Well, actually, I really I never sought it out until um, I actually got put on Ritalin for an unrelated thing, which is um, chronic fatigue related to Epstein-Barr virus, which I have um, the chronic version of. So Stinks. I went to a specialist uh, for that. And she put me on Ritalin, which just helps me stay awake and focused mm -hmm. throughout the day because I was having a lot of fatigue and a lot of brain fog. And I was like, well, this is really helping me keep my shit together. I wonder if I've got ADHD. And I went to a psychiatrist. I was just curious, you know, mm -hmm. I went to a psychiatrist. Um, well, first, actually, I did a telemedicine appointment with one psychiatrist. And she asked me some very basic questions, like how I did in school, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. And I said I did well in school. And she's like, well, then you probably don't have ADD if you did well in school. And I was like, oh, OK. And then I talked to my mom about it and asked her if she ever thought that I had it. And she was like, oh, of course. And I was like, <laughs> what? Why is this the first time that you've said this to yeah. me? Like, you know, there's treatment the kids could get. And she's like, oh, well, honey, you were so creative and you figured it out because you were smart. And I didn't want to stifle your creativity with um, with drugs, giving drugs to kids because my mom's kind of a hippie. Yeah. So I kind of appreciate that, although there are definitely things that would have been easier, but I have worked very hard to arrange my life in a way that works for me, yeah. which I probably might not have done if I'd just uh, been able to conform since I was a child. And, you know, I probably don't have it as bad as some people do. Mm -hmm. I understand that some people really need medication. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I think this is why I, I was so into reaching out, you know, about uh, about it. Like, I don't think we're probably that far apart in age. And so there, and I felt the same way about Michael Brooks. Like you guys, the reason I think I stayed with majority report was, you know, I really identified generationally, I think with, with both of you and, um, and with you, I think I spent a lot of time in punk bands and, um, your politics is very common in, in those spaces. And, and so I have a lot, I share a lot of values with that and I'm, I'm familiar with it. And, and, um, and then, you know, when you were sort of started, you know, offhandedly mentioning about ADHD, I, uh, I was, I was interested in that. And, and, um, I, I'm not surprised that it was a late diagnosis be, because I also was diagnosed eight years ago and, um, it was, it was like an eye opener and explained a lot. And I think I did the same thing where I kind of just went for it. Cause I had a little bit of insurance at the time. And, and, uh, it's, 
my take on it is just exactly what you said. Like you don't really want to be in a box. And this is a big problem in our internet society right now is like boxes are what we live in, you know? And um, I, I'm talking to you in a box. You're talking to me in a box. Mm -hmm. There's a larger box around us. I have a second box to the left. And then of course I've got the ring light to my right, which is a different circle, but those are boxes as well, if you think about it. Yeah. Well, Containers. everyone wants an identity, right? We live in an age of identity politics. Identity everyone politics. Wants to feel special but um yeah just to finish the story uh because right now it sounds like i didn't get diagnosed with adhd um, <laughs> like i i mentioned to my mom i'm like well but i did well in school and she's like you only did well in school because you were interested in every subject trying exactly. to get you to do something you weren't interested in was like pulling fucking teeth and i was like all right fair enough and then i went to uh, another psychiatrist uh, a little while later who said that yeah i mean we mainly just talked it turns out he went to Columbia like a million years before I did as an <laughs> undergrad, or maybe he went there for grad school. I don't know. And he was like, Oh, that's a, that's a tough school. And I was like, yeah. He was like, How, how'd you do there? I'm like, I did all right. And he's like, all right, well, it seems like you're pretty high functioning, <laughs> but if the pills help you keep your shit together, then great. Um, and he's like, yeah, you probably got it. But he was like a very holistic psychiatrist. Like his focus wasn't on um, the medication per se. He seemed like a good psychiatrist. Um, it was more on just like how you're functioning in your life as a person. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot of people don't really believe me that I have a disability and I don't feel disabled most of the time. Same here. I yeah. I'm able to, you know, have a good career and get my work done on time because I do work that I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. uh, but then they see my house maybe and they're like, all right, now I believe you now. It looks clean. I see like a very clean, what looks like, uh, oh, okay. No, it still looks fine. I mean, this isn't my house that you're seeing, by the way. This I'm is an art in residency. the living room. Are the living room is a place that I'm very good at keeping clean because this is where I have visitors. Do you live, when they you, come over. you live alone? I do. Huge if you want to see my bedroom, it's quite a bit messier. I mean, you're welcome to tour it if you want to do an example of uh, <laughs> ABD stuff. It's it's really no, your that's call. All right. Yeah. Um, you know, I would never insist on that. That would be mad. But no, um, I mean, yeah. The floor's pretty clean. I got a robot vacuum. It vacuums the floor for me. <laughs> Scares the cats. Amazon? Uh, no comment. <laughs> No, but you're trying to take them down from the inside, right? Like, uh, no, no, I, I mean, know you're not. Consumer politics are kind of meaningless. If you want to boycott Amazon, you should. And I feel I do feel a little bit guilty about using them. But yeah, we're, we're in a position where, again, we have been put in a box to do consumer consumer stuff that we don't necessarily love, like the Spotify mm -hmm. thing that everybody did. But uh, I don't know if you know about that. Wrapped, where everybody showed what they've been listening to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, again, Spotify is evil. And it's weird to see everybody trumpeting that they use it or love it or whatever. But like, I don't know what else I'm supposed to use to stream music on. Totally. Like, these, tech, these tech giants are really uh, like they've made a good product from a user point of view. So I just try to, um, yeah. the artists I really like and want to support, I try to buy their albums. Yeah. If they have that option available on their websites, Bandcamp, Bandcamp. Yeah. 
And then I use Spotify when I just want to go for a walk and listen to some tunes Eminem. or when I, when I used to DJ. Tell me about that. Yeah, I used to, I mean, I'm not like a DJ DJ. I don't yeah. jockey any discs, but I would go play music at my two favorite bars. Which are once in a while. babies, pop- daddies. <laughs> oh, daddies. I miss daddies. Yeah, the um, place was cool. No- I, I used to DJ at Alaska, which was uh, just a disgusting drug den mm. in Bushwick. Um, it was kind of my cheers. And then I would DJ at Alphaville sometimes, which is some of the same people that owned Alaska. But now I don't DJ anywhere. Yeah. Except I did make a playlist for um, Blood Knife, which is a really cool leftist sci-fi and horror magazine. I made a playlist for them uh, for their Halloween issue. That's awesome. Um, now I'm presented with two diverging paths. One where we can talk about the music you like, because that's interesting to me. And then also one where I'm not even sure you finished. I don't think I allowed you to finish the story about fully being diagnosed with ADHD or did oh, you finish that? I mean, it's pretty anticlimactic. Love, love like, anticlimactic. Yeah, you probably have it, whatever. Uh, if medication, if you want medication, I'll give it to you. And then I talked to, cause I have a therapist as well, who I've been seeing for a few years. And she was like, yeah, there's like a certain cluster of traits that you probably fall into the range for, but um, it's not, it's, if you want to talk about it, we can, but it, it doesn't seem like it's a huge deal to you in your life. And mm-hmm. I was like, no, not usually. I mean, there are things I struggle with for sure. And some of my friends are nicer to me about it than others. Um, yeah. Some people just really don't seem to understand. Like if mm-hmm. I could just fucking snap my fingers and become a neat person, I would. Right. Uh, I feel bad when I'm late for stuff and I try really hard not to be. But mm-hmm. sometimes my brain just sabotages me. Um, but I'm, I'm working on it. It's worse for me than it is for them. That's that's exactly how I feel. I mean, I was just talking about this with someone like it's, it's the, no, I I didn't talk. I tweeted a response to someone. This is my talking to people. I, uh, the intention is so rarely bad, you know, on in, in, within me to try to do these things. Like I want to so badly. And then to feel like I didn't is just like, it's rough. And then shaking that stuff is rough. And, um, you know, I think, and with the only other option being that weird kind of like walling off caring, it's like, well, that's no good either. So finding that middle ground is, is so, can, can yeah. be so difficult. Yeah. Cause like on the one hand, you know, you're responsible for your own shit, whatever, everyone's got areas where they struggle and mm-hmm. you really don't want to be rude to other people. So like if my friends want to give me shit for being late and making them wait for me, that's fine because that affects them. If they want to give me shit about my messy apartment, they can fuck off because it's my <laughs> business. You know, I feel the same way. I just feel bad about, um, you know, when doing the same thing, repeating the same problem and people being like, you keep doing the same thing. Aren't you listening to me? And it's like, oh, I'm listening to you too closely. And I'm aware of what's happening before it, way before it happens, <laughs> you know, and but at the same time, it seems like um, there is a growing uh, understanding of it. And I think it's, uh, I was, yeah, like 
I think a late term diagnosis is, is sometimes good because like for you, you got these managing techniques and, and I do think it comes down to coping techniques. Um, and, and it, that being a lot more of an issue than, um, a, a name for whatever you have, you know, like if your life's functional, great. But if there's things that feel out of your control, that could be fixed. It's like, you know, don't be afraid at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you shouldn't be afraid to get help. It doesn't mm. necessarily mean that you need help. Right. I think we have this idea that uh, psychiatry or therapy or whatever is only for people who are in serious crisis to the point where they can't function. But that's not true. Like everybody could use some help with something, yeah. whether you need it or not, like you can want it and that's OK. Yeah. And creating a safety net or a barrier between you and like rock bottom is so important because when you do hit those lows, they're, you know, hard to get out of, you know, and that's part of probably, you know, uh, maybe political beliefs, you know, is some level of like, we need protection so that we're not, you know, trying to drag ourselves up from the Bane part you know, the basement. Yeah, we got to help each other out. That's, I agree with you. That's politically what I've done all my life. Helped, I just believe in helping people out when the Republicans, or in our cases, the progressive conservatives say, we just want to help people out. I join them. And then when the new Democratic Party, who I want to make it clear, this is a facetious comment, and those are the people I've supported all my life. When they say we want to help people out, I help them. All right. So I finished that bit and I think it was pretty confusing and long. <laughs> oh, I got the Jamie laugh. I enjoy that laugh. And I don't think you have vocal fry. I heard people on, I, I look at the comments sometimes they'll be like, oh, she's got vocal fry. No, no, that's Thank not. you. They don't know what that is. Like, I'm sure I do other annoying things with my voice, but I mm. really don't do that very much. Is vocal fry the same as ending a, quest, uh, a sentence with a question mark? No, that's what I that's do. Not what it is. Yeah. It's like this weird, like croaky way that people yeah. will talk. Like, I it's can't believe that. Ad, man. It's like uh, Matthew McConaughey in Days and Confused almost. You yeah, know? they stay the same. Hey. He doesn't talk like that. Nah, if you if you if you just like run out of air at the end of what you're saying, you know, yeah. you get like that. I think people who have hard pet peeves probably should look into neurodiversity because it's possible. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. possible, you know? Um, mm -hmm. Do you have anything like that, like auditory or sensory things that kind of made you think maybe uh, that you had ADHD? Like what was it that, that tipped you off exactly? Or, but, but that's not even the exact same question. But I mean, know. I used to think I mean, I never even considered that I might have it because I'm really good at focusing when I'm like writing an article or something. Mm. I could I've, I've never started a thing like before the night before it's due, of course. But like when I get in my groove, I can focus really well. Mm -hmm. um, but it turns out that that's part of it. I yeah. only recently looked it up and I was like, whoa. Yeah, it's a big crazy. part of it. It's that thrill, that adrenaline is what, what powers you. And the passion, you know, like having that passion for what you're doing and feeling, um, you know, excited is like so helpful for getting things done, 
you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, things I'm not interested in doing. I just don't fucking do them. But usually once you hit your thirties, you realize the things you're good at and the things you're never going to be good at. And if you're lucky, you can pay someone to help you out with the things that you're never going to be good at. But, um, to answer your question, uh, yeah, I have trouble paying attention when something's not very interesting to me or sometimes like, I mean, my job is like probably terrible for someone with ADHD because it involves paying attention for, you know, up to three hours at a time. Yeah. And if I lose focus for one second, uh, it could be bad because, uh, you know, maybe someone will put me on the spot and I'll look like an idiot. Um, I, I think that that is a, an interesting point. First of all, Sam Cedar's whole thing, the host of the majority report, which you're on, which I guess I haven't even done that intro where it's like, Jamie is one of the producers and co-hosts of uh, the majority report as well as did you do the show with uh, Matt and Matt today? Is that still? I did. Yeah. How was that? I love that. I it lo- was great. Um, and the majority report, if any listeners don't know, is a really great uh, sort of left-leaning to towards progressive uh, different. There's a variety of voices that are always a part of it. And um it's really informative. It's got great, uh, very, um, what do you call it? Like satisfying takedowns of voices, uh, pop voices on the uh, right and sometimes the left even too. And uh, the, the Dave Rubin, I feel like you're very responsible. You're all very responsible for the sort of delegitimize, the, this, the, the gradual delegitimizing of Dave Rubin, of course. Uh, Michael was a big part of that, but so were you. And, and uh, so Sam and, and um, you know, I mean, it, it's just uh, a great show. And, and uh, I don't even remember why I really brought it up. I had more to say about, oh yeah, it, it's, uh, but it, the first half is like a long form interview most of the time between mm-hmm. Sam and somebody. And if you're present for it, it's like, that's exactly, I mean, I was listening to that as like ASMR most of the time when I would first yeah, it, do it. It, it. it varies wildly based on my interest in the guest and the subject, uh-huh. I, I will say. Uh, and it's my job to do the uh, descriptions in the blog posts mm. that go in the podcast app and yeah. everything. So I got to pay attention for that um i used to be it used to be when we were in the studio i would also take down timestamps for clips Mm -hmm. but um we don't have that set up anymore yeah like uh another thing that has been said to me about uh adhd was that change adapting to change can sometimes be difficult and you know frankly you've had to do a lot of that this year and we all have but um you guys with um I mean, the total brutal thing with Michael, which I was really feeling as well. And, and, um, and, and then the pandemic and losing your studio, like, how have you been coping, you know? And, and I know, I mean, you've said publicly that you had some like relationship issues and stuff. So. Yeah. Uh, no, it's been a rough year for me Yeah. in, in ways that it has been for everyone as well as in ways specific to me. I mean, I, uh, separated from my partner of nine years yeah. about a year ago, and that, but we still do the antifada together. Yes, congratulations! So it's like having a easiest. dog share a little bit. Yeah, well, except we have to collaborate a lot more than you collaborate. I think when you have a dog, <laughs> um, so that wasn't easy mm. at first, but it's gotten much better because I think we both still really we respect each other and we care about the project and, you know, we're getting to be friends again, which is nice. Um, 
so yeah, that happened. Um, the pandemic fucked shit up for everyone. It's crazy. I, I'm a really social person. I like to go out and to hang out with my friends and my bar friends. And that really drove me a bit nuts, <laughs> not being able to do that so much anymore. Although my, my close friends and I are kind of a pod, like we hang out together yeah. on the weekends. Um, and then, yeah, losing Michael was obviously horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, me and him didn't always agree on everything. And sometimes, yeah, sometimes he was a dick to me. Sometimes I wasn't very nice back, but he was my comrade. You yeah. Know? He was my socialist comrade. And um, it's been weird and bad without him. Yeah. I think we're all trying to figure it out. But I, I feel very alone on this show without him. And I don't know um, how we're going to restore that balance. Um. Well, I will say that, that, you know, the, the period of time where I got, um, like when I moved to LA, it was right after my dad, uh, died, you know, of a long, uh, illness with, with cancer. And so, and that was when things, that was a very hard two years. And when I came back, it was just so difficult. And I think, um, you know, that's, that's such a major change and it's, uh, it, it it just can't really be be voiced per- perfectly, but I I did I, I I did gather that from the your dynamic on the show, like that there was some level of frankly the maleness you know was really going on. So Sam and Michael were just very chatty guys in very opposing ways. So where do you even fit in with that? And then you you'll make an uh, a, a point and argument and it's like, okay, Michael is trying to do this like kind of humanist, uh, like Marxist socialist humanist thing. And Sam is being this kind of dad who's like super left, but is like, you know, torts are very important, you know? No, and, he's a lib. He's a boomer ass lib. You could say. <laughs> yeah. But boomer ass lib used to be progressive, like, like 15 years ago. That's the world he's living in, you know? It's, yeah, no, it's true. Um, <laughs> and because all the sixties people grew up and kind of turned into that, you know? Mm. And, um, it, it it was uh so hearing your voice since then ironically i think has been um like a comfort and you know you and sam clash and i think at times as well and and um uh whereas with michael i really think it seemed a lot more to do with just your personalities were very were were, were different and and the chance of you kind of getting yourself out there every time was just like it was just way harder you know this was mm-hmm as a listener, my, my take, although I, I think you also did get like, you know, obviously I was appreciating what you're doing then, but, um, you know, it's not easy, especially, I mean, the ADD makes it worse, but like they're playing a pickup basketball game. Right. And I don't know, like the ball doesn't get passed to me very often. I just kind of have to take my moments. Uh, yeah. And I, I've had conversations with, Sam, I had conversations with both of them, actually, saying you got to pass the ball to me a little bit more. Otherwise, I'm going to keep doing these interventions that you might not like very much because nobody's making any space for me. So I have to make it for myself. Yeah. And that's really strong of you to um, say because people don't necessarily, and I don't know if this is your issue as well, but like standing up for yourself 
is like terrifying sometimes in these situations, especially when you have, like you said, you had, you're, you're dealing with these two super driven, not sports type guys. Well, I don't know why these funny guys are into sports so much. It's like, I'm not, I don't want, you know what I was good at? European handball. You could take three steps and then you throw the ball and then you're frozen. You know, I could do defense sometimes, but I'm not interested, you know? And uh, so, so that's really cool that you did that. And again, it's, you talk about, I don't know if this was after your, your diagnosis, but it's just like, you know, like taking that and doing that is great. But the fact is the difficulty is always going to be there uh, for me, like anytime I have to do stuff like that. And I really want people to, to recognize that more, especially in workplaces, especially in a, a progressive type type workplace, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, gender also plays a role oh, in ways that none of the guys would ever admit to. But um, I really, I really miss having Michael on there because you know, for all our, all our clashes, he really was a good comrade, and he really he bridged the gap between me and Sam politically. Yeah, and he could kind of inject humor into our disagreements in a way that he could do because they had that like collegiate uh, sports kind of kind of <laughs> chest puffing relationship that exists between bros yeah. that, uh, that I will probably just never have with uh, with Sam. And it was really nice when I was like, you know, arguing with Sam about something to have Michael jump in and uh, make it funny or back me up or whatever. And um he was also very kind and generous with me usually when he was the host. I think with I three people on the mic, sometimes it got a bit crowded. Um, but yeah, I miss like I miss being able to throw out a bit and have him like bring it to life, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm always thinking of characters and things that like, yeah, I could try to do it, but it won't be as funny as it would have been for Michael. Like, like, um, the other day when I was thinking about, uh, oh, oh yeah. Some people were mad. Jacobin wrote an article about the limitations of the, of the revolution in Cuba or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm I like, the... oh, well, this is probably not about how he failed to abolish the value form, um, Castro, but, uh, it would be funny to hear like a left com Gusano character done by Michael Brooks, you know, like, <laughs> like I left Cuba because it didn't progress fast enough towards communism <laughs> and wondering what he would have done for that. Thank you for listening to this episode of Nick Flanagan Weekly with Jamie Peck. Jamie is so great. Be sure to check out the Antifada. Uh, on Patreon, and I'm going to keep this short and sweet, but if you enjoy this podcast or you want to support it because you're like, oh, Nick, yeah, Nick's cool. I want to find out what he's all going to do next, so I better make sure he's financially okay to do that. Then you can go to uh, ko-fi.com slash Nick Flanagan. That's ko-fi.com slash Nick Flanagan. Make a one-time donation or become monthly uh, and I'm also on Patreon. Uh, Nick Flanagan, look it up on Patreon. You'll find it. Also, you can just uh, get my recently released, uh, re-released first album, I'm Here All Week, at nickflanagan.bandcamp.com. And it's got an extra track, uh, which is about nine, eight, nine minutes. And I did it in March 2020 at my friend Chris Locke's birthday show. And I'm really happy with that set. 
So it's kind of a bonus for people who check out the album. And yeah, that's that's it. That's what I'm here to say is do all that stuff and you know, subscribe, rate, review. I hope you enjoy the podcast more than anything else. So not more than anything else in the world. I'm not ridiculous. I just think what I really hope is that you enjoy the podcast and that I uh, live another day. That's another thing I hope. All right. Back to my chat with Jamie Peck. Thanks. Yeah, you really do notice those moments because you're keeping uh, um, a lot of things alive uh, topic-wise that he was covering, you know, and then, um, but it it is something that I noticed that was part of what was so um, awful about what happened was that, you know, we were all seeing, and maybe you were too, being so close to it, or maybe you have a different understanding of it, um, like him change as both a broadcaster and kind of, you know, uh, politically a bit. Like he was settling more into what he was, what, uh, you know, this this sort of like whatever that quote people use all the time, you know, be, be ruthless with systems, be kind to people kind of, he was really digging into that. And I remember I saw this interview about, he did about um, the African like political situation in Africa. And I distinctly remember that I was not losing any focus listening to it. And it was long and he was giving so much space to the person he was interviewing. And I was like, this is, a change. And this is what I like. And what you're talking about him being kind of generous with you on shows that you were doing together when you do them. I saw that and I saw that progressing and, and, you know, and, and I, I, I see strength in like everybody on your show since what happened happened. Like, and, and that's like the Thursday with, with you and Matt Leck and Matt Binder. I really enjoy those. I like the camaraderie in that. Like, I think that now that Emma Vigland is on the show and Nomiki Konst and you, it's like, again, like three female voices all at once is, is a completely different type of conversation. And I've seen Emma kind of compliment you, support your, um, your thoughts. And it's like, it, it, I, I think it's, it's really good. And I think it's just going to take a lot of getting used to and adapting for, for everybody yeah. to, to what's gone on. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I like all, all the gals on the show. Um, no, Mickey's had me on her show to mm-hmm. talk about socialist feminism. Um, Emma has been very nice to me so far. It's really just Sam. Who's a condescending prick. <laughs> I like that. You can talk about him this way, <laughs> you know? I think you yeah, can talk about him this. That way. was totally a joke. I'm joking. <laughs> We're really good friends. <laughs> this is me uh, doing the the classic nervous but happy laughter. Like I'm. I like <laughs> that you can talk this way. I hope that you can talk this way. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, just like uh, there, there was something that was just in my mind, the tip of my mind, Berg, uh, and it was it was about. Uh, uh oh yeah it was about actually sam and me being annoyed by sam so you'll love it um look at you you just whipped your head right back around you're probably looking at your cats or something yeah and uh i don't envy you i would rather look at cats than a person with eight days of stubble because he's had an arts residency and this is his big chance to merge his neck hair with his chest hair and um (laughs) 
Sam, I remember, first of all, the topics you're talking about right now, I feel like aren't always like that they're focusing are not things that always are appealing for you because it's like, or to me in a lot of ways, like electro getting into the weeds of like who these politicians are in the US. I'm not even American. So I'm more interested in ways of discussing systematic change for real, for real, and not moving it back to like 2011 so that maybe something can happen, mm. which didn't happen last time, you know? Yeah. And dunking on people as it's called in the, the YouTube and uh, tweet Twitter like is um great but also it's not always like necessary it can feel sometimes like something to to fall back on uh content wise you know mm-hmm. um and the reason yep. the reason I brought that up is uh he was talking about what yeah that Weinstein guy this whatever that guy's name is, the Weinstein brother, Brett Weinstein, one of these sort of earlier free speech warriors type guys who started talking about colleges being bad. And he tweeted about being neurodivergent as a reason. And he compared it to like being black or something. (laughs) And it was a terrible comparison. But as someone who like started going to support group type things and seeing like older men, white men with uh, ADD, I was like, oh, I totally get this guy. And I don't like 100% hate him. And I'd rather just go cringe and like move on uh, .org. And and then like, I just was wondering if, you know, you kind of what you, and you, and then Sam was like, you can't use, you know, you can't use a neurodivergence as, as a thing, you know, as an excuse. And I'm like, this is like a little unforgiving about that. You know, and I know this. Yeah, like ableism is definitely a thing. Yeah. Um, and and I see that. And then David Pakman did the same thing. This is what I was mentioning to you beforehand. I, I found something where someone called in about Adderall and he started going on about, oh yeah, you know, we got to regulate. They got to watch that because, uh, you know, all the college students are doing it and stuff. And it's like, okay, so first of all, you don't believe in harm reduction. <laughs> You know, and secondly, it's like, what are you talking about? This is some fucking Dungeons and Dragons is a cult kind of talk, you know, and then later on. Um, oh, and then everybody calls Trump our ADHD president, which drives me nuts. And he had a whole <laughs> clickbait thing with that. It's like, ugh. so, yeah, I guess I was just wondering if you cared to expand on it and, uh, you know what your thoughts on, might be on that on what in just particular. ableism like in it when you see like left-leaning people having these kinds of mm. you know like simplifications and, and, oh, yeah. and lack of understanding yeah i mean obviously the weinstein guy is a disingenuous prick mm-hmm. um and, and like no the thing that people are coming after him for is not being disabled it's having horrible opinions duh Exactly. Uh, but in general, of course, ableism is a thing. You know, it operates differently than other kinds of isms. Uh, but I, I've actually only just started learning about it a little bit because there are some people in my caucus, uh, my DSA caucus emerge, who are uh, more into uh, disability rights and yeah. have educated me a little bit on some of these issues. Yeah, I don't think people with n- neurological stuff, especially things like ADD, are like asking for that much either, you know? Um, like we want one acre and like a rabbit, you know? I think that would be cute. Uh, 
But um, there, there I am making that white guy uh, slavery analogy. Like, oh God, mm -mm -mm. what am I doing bad? You're canceled. I am canceled. You know what though? Look at the view counts. Can't be canceled. I'm at like negative listens. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, that's all really great. And, and I, I guess like just to kind of close up because you're like the busiest person I've probably ever talked to is uh, in my life. And uh, <laughs> I'm not that busy. I interviewed Melly Mel. And, uh, you know, that's, he probably is less busy than you. Wait, who's that? He's Grandmaster, the guy, you probably think of him as Grandmaster Flash because that's the name of the group. But he's like, broken glass everywhere, people. Do you know about rap? Not a lot. He's like the original rapper. Oh. I thought he might be busy just because of cumulatively over 40 years. That's a lot of work. Um, yeah, no, I waste a lot of time on the internet. Sam. My yeah. social life has gone down the tubes, obviously. Well, yesterday, you know, I, I totally recognize that. Do it. Love it. Sneeze. I got the sneeze button. Um, you, you wrote me and you were just like, I didn't get a great sleep. So I'm kind of, can we maybe do this like one of these other free days? And I was like, I completely understand. And I wish this could be applied to everything we do in life. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm, seriously. You're getting married and you're like, I don't really feel like it today. You know, I just want people to go, yeah, okay. We'll meet you tomorrow at the, um, you know, wherever you're getting married. Uh, but, but yeah, like for keeping busy, just like what has worked for you? Like what has worked to go, um, you know, to, to be able to do what you're doing? Are you as, um, it's a word like, like, are you as productive as you want to be? You know, do you feel like you're productive? Mm. I mean, I'm never as productive as I want to be, but you know, it helps to have obligations, right? <laughs> yes. Like, Deadlines are great, right? We got to do a show every week for the Antifada. And uh, yeah, I actually have to figure that out right now after we hang up what I'm going to do for the show this week. Cause uh we don't really have a great system for like who's bottom lining each episode. We just kind of go by the seats of our pants. Right. Um, but, you know, obviously there's a deadline there. Um, I mean, I'm working on stuff that interests me, which is very important stuff mm -hmm. that I care about. Um, majority report. It's just that's my job. Like I have to do it. There's there's no question of being productive or unproductive. Like I show up, I do my job. That's and then I'm done for the day. Um, I don't know. I care. I mean, I do DSA stuff too, but I've kind of, um, I kind of got burned out after I was on the organizing committee for a year of North Brooklyn DSA mm -hmm. and, um, kind of didn't do anything for a while except for my caucus work within my caucus, which, um, I, I might not have stayed in DSA if it weren't for the Emerge caucus, because I really like the people there and they do a lot of member engagement that, I really wasn't getting in um, normal DSA. And now I was like, all right, fuck, I need it. I need a log off. I feel myself getting too online mm -hmm. and join an actual campaign again. Uh, although I, I had, I did some work in Emerge. I'm on the PolyEd committee. Um, we've put together, we've been putting together some cool teach-ins. We did one with the historian, Mike Davis, who is amazing 
probably, I don't know, 10 times the public intellectual that Noam Chomsky is, in my opinion. Um, we did one on anti-work politics, which was super good. I moderated that one. Um, we're going to meet uh, soon and talk about what we should do for the next one. So it's not like I was doing nothing, but I wanted to do some like real organizing out in the world, you know? So um, I just decided to join the uh, defund campaign because I've been really interested in um, police abolition and prison abolition lately as a part of my communist politics. And um I just I went and volunteered the other day that was like my first little entry into it did some canvassing in the park for the defund NYPD campaign mm -hmm. um and now I'm gonna see where I can go from there so how was the response oh it was super good mm -hmm. I mean I realized Bushwick is probably not representative <laughs> of America or whatever yeah it but uh it was a pretty diverse cross-section of people that I talked to in the park um young lots of young people of color uh, a lot of young white people too um everyone was pretty young i will say there weren't that many older people there but every single person like nobody said they're against defunding the nypd everyone when i said are you interested in defunding the nypd everybody said yes a few people were like i don't want to talk right now Nobody <laughs> was like no i love the nypd and i think the familiarity with it was in large part due to the uprisings that happened. Yeah. You know, I summer. mean, there's no question, you know, and it's, it's uh, that that was highlighting that we had that here in Toronto. And, you know, I think it's not even, I mean, I think that abolition is an aim. I get it. You know, it's like, why wouldn't you want uh, abolition would mean that the issues that we have could be solved by like non-police stuff. Like, might be idealistic, but it's a great thing to go for. And um, in terms of taking money away from the cops, that's just like the, the no brainer to me. It's like, mm -hmm. obviously we need to shift it into like the many things that need it primarily, I don't know, housing and human care, you know, like it, it's just, you know, so, so do you see yourself uh, in the future, like getting more into or organizing, it sounds like that's something that you want to do is the, the ground game maybe a bit more. Is that accurate? Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm a better media person than I am an organizer, but I have really made a point to still be active in DSA because I don't want to lose touch with movements on the ground and what's actually happening in the world. Cause a lot of people have a lot of fucking opinions who don't do anything. Sorry, doing a podcast doesn't count. And um, I wanted <laughs> Is that a to... subtweet? Sub no, no. <laughs> um, I have never heard you have an opinion that made me mad like oh, that. Yeah. So don't worry about it. Um, but uh, no, I didn't want to lose touch with what it means to be an organizer and um, what's going on, what's going on in DSA, even if it's not perfect, you know, at least people are, trying stuff um and it just like really gratifies it whole it's there there's no instant gratification in organizing you know like doing a podcast i mean i love what i do i love the listeners i don't see myself as being above them right we're all just communists figuring shit out together mm -hmm. um but like there is something a little bit narcissistic about doing a podcast <laughs> where you get to talk for an hour at a time uh and organizing there's no instant gratification 
there's no ego, you know, you don't get famous, you don't get recognition for it. Usually it's usually kind of boring. Mm-hmm. You got to listen to other people. Even when there's cranks who show up to the meetings, you got to be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you got to work shit out with people in a non-hierarchical way. Uh, it's, you know, the democratic socialists of America. There's a lot of democracy involved and not everyone's always going to agree on how to do things. But um, I don't know. I just feel like it makes me it, it keeps me from becoming a total monster, which is what I might what I might be if I only did podcasts. That's like my, right. my, my psychoanalysis of myself, you know? Yeah. Like, you, you know, I think that is important to, to feel grounded. I, I would say that if everyone is doing a podcast, we're all narcissists. And then is anyone a narcissist? You know? Yes. Yes. We all are. We're all narcissists. So that's, uh, that's not a bad thing necessarily. It's better. It's like sociopaths. People say sociopaths are bad. Well, what about, hmm, I'm going to have to give that some thought about a good sociopath. What about Francis Ford Cope? I don't know if he's, I'm not going to. It's it's definitely bad, but the fact that, the fact that I'm like worried about it (laughs) makes me think that maybe I'm still okay. And I have have really good, is that it? I don't know. I have really good friends who would tell me if I was becoming a monster. Mm. So I, I, I'm pretty sure they would tell me. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I don't think you're a monster. They're also like a little bit mean to me sometimes, you know, it's really important to, <laughs> to be mean check. to you. I mean, maybe it just like helps you deal with the fact that you think, you know, you try to be on the same level as everyone, but you kind of do get that same podcast, like tier, um, attention, you know, like people will be like, Oh, I think Jamie's like this. I think Jamie's like that here. I'm your reply guy. Like, it's like we, you know, the, the fitting in kind of thing, you know, and, and trying to sort of stay grounded is, is important, you know? Yeah. Deal with that. For sure. Any final words, Jamie, anything you'd like to, uh, say, what was the funniest, uh, thing to dunk on this week? Was it this woman who was speaking at the, uh, um, Julie next to Giuliani today, the blonde lady. I don't know if you watched that clip. I, I did laugh. I, I, I normally don't care about that kind of stuff at that much, but <laughs> she was saying really, she was really funny, but, but yeah, any, anything. She was amusing. I don't know. Um, what was funny this week? I can't even remember what happens from day to day. <laughs> Same I'm running, here. I'm running out of gas in the tank. Um, no, it's, you, you, you know what? Like, you, once gas runs out in the tank, think about how long you can drive the car for after. No, I've definitely uh, found that out. I fucked around and found out about that the hard way. But um, crashing. But I, I, I didn't crash. Mm-hmm. I just. Uh, Ran out of gas one yeah. time. It was awful. Um, but what I was going to say was, I really enjoyed seeing the clip of the protester in India who, total Chad, got up on the cop vehicle and shut off the water cannon and then jumped to safety on, I believe it, it was his father or his brother's tractor. <laughs> there were giant farmer protests going on I, in India. I, I have not watched that clip. I should see it. That sounds heroic. And yeah, ridiculous. it was really cool. And he's become like a folk hero overnight. I also like that because that's like a positive 
awesome thing you saw. You know, it's not someone being dumb. It's maybe someone being reckless, but it's uh, recklessness in a Les Miserables style, which actually the first Antifada I listened to was the one that you guys played. Do you hear the people sing at the end? And I am a sucker for Les Mis. And so that's another good thing. Well, that's nice. I don't even remember which one that was. Um, I am blanking as well, but it was quite a while ago. And well, Andy picks the music, and he always makes good choices. That's good to be around people with good choices. Jamie, mm-hmm. the Antifada. Where can people find it? Um, it is online at Patreon.com/slash/TheAntifada. Um, or just type it into your podcast app and it'll come up. But, um, you know, you can give us money if you want. So that's what Patreon is for. There's um, extra also, episodes there too, right? Yeah, right. So if you sign up as a member or patron, um, you get all the bonus content. So we release a free episode on Wednesday. Usually we release a bonus episode on Friday. And we also have a Discord for our patrons to hang out in and chat. Um, if you can't afford $5 a month, just email us and we'll send you the bonus episodes for free. Um, and we have big plans to um, start using our Twitch channel more. So I guess we're going to do a soft launch in the next week or two. So that's at twitch.tv slash the Antifada. So we'll, we'll be doing a lot more video content coming up soon. Awesome. And um a majority report can be found on YouTube, Google majority report and plus, yeah, yeah. plus YouTube plus Jamie episodes, right? Like, yeah, I'm on, I'm on, um, Mondays and Thursdays now. So that's when you should watch it. Only then no other yeah. days. Just kidding. Nope. I don't know if that caught on mic, but something happened in my, my chest. Mm. Thank you for coming, Jamie. Oh, no problem. It was fun. And that was Jamie. um, Jamie Peck of the Antifada. Majority Report. Writer, journalist. uh, Interesting person. Glad to talk to her. She's very uh, good at answering questions. I really enjoyed enjoyed our chat. And I'm so glad she took the time to do it. So be sure to check out the Antifada and Majority Report. And... All the stuff Jamie does. You can follow her on Twitter. Grace Lee Pogs, I think is her name. Big Structurals. I think that's what it is. Um, anyway, thank you for listening. This is Nick Flanagan Weekly. Catch you later. Oh, man. Nick. Oh, God. Flanagan. Oh, Weekly. Oh, man. Nick Flanagan Weekly.